sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by the Reverend Douglas Cornelius. We continue in our series this morning called Get to Know the New Guy, and again, far from uh, being a series about me, it's, it's not just an introduction to who I am as a pastor, but also uh, I think helps us think about what it means to be God's church. And so this morning, our text comes from uh, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40, uh, verses 6 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades. When the Lord When the Lord's breath blows upon it, surely the people are like grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Do you know anyone who, when sharing the latest news of the day, they always begin with, you know, they say. You know what I'm talking about? They say it's going to be a really bad flu season. They say we're going to get a lot of snow this winter. They say that the team is going to trade that guy. They say. Do you know anyone that does this? Yeah, how many of us are thinking, okay, pastor, you busted me. I'm one of those people that says they say. And they say is usually followed with something ominous and terrible, right? Something that if it's true, we should already know this. You know, you know they say that artificial intelligence is going to take over the world and turn all humans into slaves within two years. Really, I feel like I should know this. I feel like this would have made the news or something. They say, it's a silly little example to make a point, but having sort of a skeptical and inquisitive mind, whenever someone begins a piece of news with, you know, they say, I always think, well, who says? Who are they? See, I don't know if it's my nature or the kinds of books or thinkers that I've been influenced by, but my first thought whenever I receive information is, I need to consider the source. It doesn't mean I think everyone's out to trick me or lie to me or anything like that. It just means that if you're going to tell me that the world is about to end or that my favorite team is about to trade their star player or that if we're gonna get 300 inches of snow by tomorrow morning, whatever it is, politics, health, family gossip, whatever, I need to consider the source. 
I'm the kind of guy who likes to consider the source because not all sources are credible. Not all sources know what they're talking about on any particular subject. We now live in a world, in fact, where some sources are intentionally trying to mislead us or intentionally sensationalizing things to get us to click something, right? To get a view on their page or to get folks to turn to their TV channel. Seems like it's all out there like never before. And so I wanna know the source of the information. What's the source on the word that I'm receiving? Because the source of the news or information or word matters, doesn't it? The source tells us whether it's reliable information. It tells us whether this information can be trusted. So when someone says, they say, it doesn't really tell us whether we can trust that information. Did it come from a credible news source, a peer-reviewed journal, or is it something that just scrolled across a social media page? Because where the information is coming from matters to me and I think should matter to all of us as a church. So if you want to get to know the new guy, you should know that in all these things, I like to consider the source. Now, I don't think I'm a Scrooge. It's not that I don't believe folks or I think everyone's trying to mislead me, but if I'm going to take something to heart, if I'm going to live by it, plan for it, or God forbid, worry about it, then I want to know there's a good, solid source behind the word I'm receiving. The prophet Isaiah this morning is delivering a word to the Israelites, a word of comfort and hope to God's people. After seeing Jerusalem destroyed and being sent off into exile, Israel is now in need of a word of comfort and hope from their prophet. Their lives have been upended. Their loved ones have been slain. Their families have been torn apart. And they need a word that things might get better. A word that things might be okay. A word that God has not abandoned them. Because the loss of Jerusalem is throwing their whole worldview, their whole sense of identity, their sense of God's providence and provision, it's throwing it all into question. And they need a word. And Isaiah, in chapter 40, says he has one. A voice says, cry out. And Isaiah says, what shall I cry? Isaiah the prophet, he has a word to share. But in a very real sense, it's not his own word. See, Isaiah doesn't trust his own words. We know that. We can go all the way back to Isaiah chapter 6 when God calls him to be a prophet. And Isaiah protests. How can I do this? How can I be the one? I am an unclean man of an unclean people. We have unclean lips, Isaiah says. And then we get this vision of a heavenly being placing a fiery hot coal upon his mouth, upon his lips, as if to purify them, 
as if to say, don't worry, this won't be your voice. This won't be your word. This will be the word of the Lord. And so when Isaiah shares the word that people are like grass, people are like flowers rising up and withering away in due time, it's, it's actually not his word. He is, in fact, echoing psalms and wisdom literature in the Bible. He's, he's echoing scriptures that the Hebrew people would have known by heart. They would have known it well. And then he offers a word that God is not done with God's people. God's not done with Israel. As difficult as things seem, we know we have a God that has delivered us out of captivity before, and God can do so again. Though there have been rises and falls, good times and bad, triumphs and suffering through the many generations, the word of the Lord stands forever. The word of God and the scripture we have survives our blooming and our fading and continues to direct God's people, continues to prove true, continues to remind us that God is always with us. And I don't share this news this morning, this scripture this morning, to relate any of our experience to the exile of the Jewish people. I don't even share it as words of comfort for Israel, given all that's going on over there right now, though I hope they can take words, uh, take comfort in words like Isaiah's in these difficult days. I share it because if you want to know me as a pastor, you have to know that my guide and my navigator, the source that I'm always trying to lead a congregation with, is Scripture. It's always the word of the Lord, not my own. That's my hope as a pastor. I try as best as I can to rely on Scripture when leading the church and spiritually shepherding people. So when we think in coming days and years about how to be the church with one another, alongside each other, when we think about how to spend our money, how to spend our energy, how to spend our time, how to use the gifts that God has given us. When we think about which decision to make as a church when some folks in the church feel one way and others feel another way. When we think about what God is calling us to be, who God is calling us to be, right here, right now, in our little corner of the world, in Paoli, Pennsylvania. We must turn to Scripture. We have to hold up a mirror of wisdom literature of how to live right, like we talked about last week. We have to hold up a mirror of the prophets and ask, are we standing up for justice and righteousness in our world like our scripture this morning. We have to hold up the mirror of the story of what God has done through the people of Israel, of what God has done through the Apostle Paul and the early churches. We have to hold up the mirror of the words and the teachings and the ministry of Jesus Christ our Lord and his cross and his resurrection 
and his kingdom mission, we have to hold up the mirror of Scripture and say, this is our source. This is our authority. This is our guide. This is our heart. It's our only source. And Scripture is the source, the authority for the church, because it's proven true time and again. Because the Holy Spirit has worked through it to bring people to transforming relationship with Jesus Christ generation after generation. Because it has stood the test of time and has reliably pointed us to God over and over again because it's placed before us a mission to serve our world that has not changed in thousands of years and because it gives us our calling and our comfort, like in Isaiah 40. It gives us words of caution, words of wisdom, words of hope, words of love and life and joy and truth. And all these words, they stand forever because they're not ours. They're the Lord's. And the word of the Lord, says Isaiah, stands forever. Now, Scripture needs to be faithfully and prayerfully interpreted. And we do that together as a congregation. We try to, we try to understand with one another the word of the Lord and how it applies to our decisions, to this decision or to that expense or this ministry or that core value of the church, but we do it together, faithfully trusting that if we place Scripture as our authority, as our primary source to consider in all things, then God will be faithful to direct us just as he has done for generation after generation. And Jonathan and I, as your pastors, as your spiritual shepherds, if you will, will do our best to guide you in all of this. But if we are doing our jobs right, then we will be leading you not by our own understanding, but by the word of the Lord, by scripture, by our source. And we are both committed to that. So people of God, let's continue. Let's continue to grow and live and thrive and fade and grow again. Something like grass, Isaiah says. But let's do it all considering the source, considering our source. And as we carry out God's plan for our lives and for our church and for our mission, to the world, let us be a church with Scripture as our authority, with Scripture as our heart. For it has stood the test of time and brought new life to God's people and God's world again and again. And by the grace of God, it will do so again and again for us and amongst us. Amen. As we turn to our time of prayer, we are reminded of the circumstances around the world, and particularly in Israel this morning, and uh, the challenges that are faced there. 
Many of you know that we had a team from our congregation who were in Israel in the first uh, part of September, and we have ministry partners there. Um, we did want to share with you that we did receive word from um, the parishes that they are en route, even as we speak this morning, um, to return to the United States um, for their own safety and, and made that difficult, difficult decision. Um, but we want to continue to pray for the ministries that are there um, and pray for God's intervention um, in this very, very difficult set of circumstances. And so as we pray this morning, and as you pray throughout this week, I um, just want to encourage you to remember, um, remember what's happening there in Israel and um, pray for God's leading. So let us pray. Lord God, we are grateful this morning for the reminder that you are our source of knowledge, our source of information, our source of understanding of how to relate to the world in which we live. We're grateful, Lord God, that you have lived and worked and acted among us, and in doing so have set for us an example of your grace and your mercy and your hope and your love expressed in the very real and tangible ways as Jesus came among us and understood the challenges of this world and died to pay the penalty for our sins and rose again, giving us hope of eternal life. Lord God, as we seek to be your people in your hands and your feet in Paoli in 2023, we're grateful that we can turn to your word and we can depend on it for guidance and for direction. We pray, Lord God, that you would give us wisdom as we seek to know how best to apply it to the very real circumstances of our lives. We're grateful, Lord God, that you have been for us that source of direction and that source of guidance. And we're grateful, Lord God, that we can turn to you today as we look at the world around us and as we recognize, particularly this morning, the challenges, the incredibly difficult and evil situations that are occurring, particularly in the Middle East this morning. Lord God, we pray that you would intervene in ways that only you can. The miracle of hope that comes through Jesus Christ could be experienced in very real and tangible ways. We pray for those who are in positions of political leadership. We pray, Lord God, that you would give them guidance and direction, help them to make wise decisions. Help ultimately, Lord God, for your peace to surround that part of the world. We do especially pray for the parishes and we pray for the ministries of which they are a part. Pray, Lord God, that you would continue to give guidance and to direction there. That as they minister and as those ministries continue in these incredibly difficult times, your love and your grace would be exhibited and would shine forth that the hope that is ours in the resurrection of Jesus Christ will be exhibited and will be known in that place. Lord God, we are reminded again this morning of the needs that are right at our doorsteps. We do pray for those in our congregation who are especially facing the, the challenges that come in this season of life. Those that are facing surgeries, those that are in hospitals, we pray for those families that have recently lost loved ones. We pray for the Perry family as they prepare for 
Lloyd's Memorial Service this weekend and for the Forrester family as they prepare for Sandy's Memorial Service this coming weekend. We pray, Lord God, that your grace would surround them, that you would encourage them, you remind them of your hope this day. Lord, we are thankful and we are grateful that we can turn to you, that we can trust you, that we can receive your instruction and understand your word. And that part of that is coming together and praying as Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.